live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon and welcome on this uh, Tuesday, April 12th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, producing inside the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on 1041 lake charles tuesday edition brought to you by cajun chef which gives you the flavors of louisiana a complete line of food products including cayenne hot sauce pickled louisiana peppers spicy pickled vegetables cajun flavored pickles seasonings and more you'll be delighted by the uniquely flavorful foods as well as the authentic seasonings that have made cajun food an established american favorite you know cajun chef began with just a single product Back in 1958, but now Cajun Chef distributes more than 250 different products through local grocers, institutions, and finer restaurants nationwide. Yet the products remain true to their Cajun heritage, still carefully prepared by the Biard family and staff in St. Martinville, Louisiana. High standards of quality, the real benchmark of Cajun Chef's success. There's no better assurance of quality than consistency. And because Cajun Chef selects the best for major agricultural suppliers year round, you can be sure of consistent quality and supply. Cajun Chef invites you to taste what's hot, that Cajun flavor, and you'll agree. I promise you'll agree. Cajun Chef is not only deliciously different, it's decidedly better. As we mentioned, no baseball tonight, bad uh, weather in the area. They'll try and reschedule this uh, later on. But the big story coming out of uh, Tigertown, Simone Augustus, the uh, a generational player who made such an impact on LSU women's basketball, is going to be honored with a statue on campus. Her statue will take its rightful place outside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, along with those of other greats, Bob Pettit, which is already there, Shaquille O'Neal, which is there, <coughs> excuse me, and soon to be shown the greatest of all time, Pistol Pete Maravich. So, Joe, I think I had some of that Cajun Chef hot sauce hit me. I'm sneezing, so I humbly apologize. My goodness, man. Um, so congratulations to Simone Augustus. We're efforting to, uh, to get her. And we will, and uh, we'll congratulate her on quite a uh, an accomplishment. Back when I'm telling you, they were they were special, great teams, and she was the best of the best. And since we're talking about ladies, uh, congratulations to LSU guard Kayla Porter, center Faustine Afua, both selected by the Las Vegas Aces WNBA team. Porter was drafted with the first pick of the second round. Afua was picked. 
in the third round. They'll join former Tiger forward Teresa Plaisance, whose mother is the head coach of the women's team at Nichols. Um, she'll be joining. She's been with the Aces now. And as you heard in the two-minute drill, Nikki Fargus is the team president so there you go no baseball tonight we will have on our guest list today head coach jake johnson will join us at around 335 340 they they are practicing today but no no game tonight but after their four-game win streak of a week ago with the sweep over Mississippi State. LSU has improved in the in the polls, and there are five of them. Um, USA Today Coaches Bowl, they were 16th. They're now 12th. D1Baseball.com, they were 19th. Now they're 15th. Perfect game, they were 22nd in the country. Now they're 15th. Collegiate Baseball, 23rd, now 17th. And in Baseball America, they weren't even ranked, and now they're at uh, number 24. Uh, The last time LSU played Lamar was April 23rd, 2019. If that rings a bell to you, that was the same day that Scott Woodward was named LSU's athletic director. So uh, there you go. So no game tonight, uh, but they will travel. The Tigers will to Arkansas for a Thursday game at 6.30, Friday game at 6, and a Saturday game at 2. And, of course, you'll listen to all of those games right here on 103.7 The Game because a little um, a little house cleaning here. Because no LSU game tonight, we are going to bring to you the Houston Astros, yes. So um, that, let's see, I've got to get the exact time on this. Um, Anyway, I'll look it up. Um, The Astros, let's see, they will play tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's an 840 start, and that game will be here on the game, 1037 in Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. So the Astros are three and one. Um, Alex Bregman named the player of the week um, in the American League. The second time in his career. Um, But he earned the first AL Player of the Week award for this season. Hit 429, 6 of 14, with two homers, six ribbies, and a 1.286 OPS in Houston's first four games. They're three and one. Uh, Chandler Rome will be joining us in a few minutes. He is the beat writer of the Astros for the Houston Chronicle. The NBA play-in games get underway today. Of course, the Pels will um, be in action tomorrow, but today it will be Cleveland versus Brooklyn. That's a 6 o'clock tip, followed by the L.A. Clippers versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then tomorrow the Pels will be the nightcap of a doubleheader. Uh, The opening game will be Charlotte at Atlanta. And then the San Antonio Spurs will come to the Smoothie King Center to take on the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll have a preview of that matchup. Justin Napoli uh, will join us um, at around 2.30-ish this afternoon. Bob Rose stops by in hour number two, as he does each and every week, with the Black and Gold Report. 
Yes, indeed. And then uh, we'll have LSU baseball coach Jay Johnson talking about his his ball club. Man, um, scary, scary times. Uh, the the Brooklyn Nets getting ready for a play-in game um, and just a few miles away, about a half, well, actually a half a mile from the Nets practice facility in Brooklyn, a shooting on the New York City subway. Um, wow. At least 16 people were injured. Police are still searching for the shooter who fled the scene in a construction vest and a gas mask. So just devastating news coming out of, of that area, 36th Street uh, area of um, of Brooklyn. Um, wow. It's, it's, it's terrible, to be, to be quite honest with you. Very, very terrible. Bad news there. Um, so we've got Everything covered, Major League Baseball, NBA basketball, NFL football, and college baseball. That is your lineup for the day. And uh, we look forward to uh, bringing all of that to you and much, much more. As we roll on on this Tuesday, expecting some inclement weather today and tomorrow. Uh, So some of your kids may be out uh, of school this week. Maybe others uh, are waiting till next week. Oh, good news from LSU basketball, where every scholarship player on the roster entered the transfer portal. Now, though, new coach uh, Matt McMahon trying to put together his first Tiger roster. Piers, he's uh, succeeded uh, in convincing a 2021-22 started to withdraw from the portal per his Twitter account. Moani Wilkinson has decided to withdraw from the portal and stay at LSU for this coming season. The, 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 the uh, Twitter account said back at it. So, so that's good. Um, Wilkinson appeared in 34 games, made 30 starts. He only averaged four points, three rebounds and 1.2 steals per contest. But, you need bodies. So maybe McMahon and Wilkinson can convince some other former Tigers um, to stick around for another year in Baton Rouge and give this coach coach a chance. So so that uh, is very, very good news. LSU basketball, baseball, LSU football back uh, practicing today. It'll be practice number nine of 15 with the spring game looming around the corner. So there's your um, headlines of the day, and uh, we'll get busy here in just a minute. But first, you can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You'll get a chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. You'll get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International prize pack from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Astros showing everybody they're still the team to beat in the AL West. Chandler Rome is in Anna is in um, Phoenix for the opening uh, game of the matchup between the Astros and the Diamondbacks. He'll give us the very latest on the Strohs when we return after this timeout. The Jordan Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back at 17 minutes after the hour tonight. The Houston Astros will start a uh, series against the Arizona Diamondbacks as they continue their West Coast tour. Uh, It's a two-game set before they head to Seattle to take on the Mariners for three. And then finally, Monday, April 18th, the Astros will make their home debut at Minute Maid Park. But so far, so good. Astros are three and one after beating the Angels. Pitching must have been great. And Alex Bregman and company getting it done at the plate um uh, it's been a great start maybe showing everybody they're still the team to beat in the al west chandler rome has been covering the astros for years now with the houston chronicle does a great job and he is out there in in phoenix i can't think of a i can think of a lot worse places to be um and he's joining us now from the houston chronicle chandler rome my, my man how are you how's life i'm I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific, man. I remember I remember you starting out. We've been on this radio gig for a while now, and you've moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, it, it's awesome. So uh, give me the lay of land of the Astro. I mean, they beat the Angels 3-1. to one. Then they had a big eruption offensively, 13-6. to six. They lose two zip, and then they close things out 4-1. to one. That tells me this pitching staff must be pretty good. Yeah, they threw it really well, um, with the exception of, you know, a bullpen arm here and there that didn't perform. You know, the starters were really good. The starters, I believe, had a 178 ERA uh, in wow. 20 and a third innings against the Angels, um, which is exactly what you wanted to see. Justin Verlander, I, I think everyone was a little curious how he would look coming off of Tommy John surgery. He hadn't pitched in a game in 624 days, and he looked like he never left. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he looked really, really good, and that was had to be encouraging for the Astros. Of course, that was the one game they lost was the game Verlander pitched. Uh, but I thought the rotation, by and large, pitched well. I thought the back end of their bullpen, that their relievers that they're going to count on, uh, threw well. And I think that's maybe the biggest uh, takeaway from the series. But, um, you know, the Angels are, are probably not the best lineup they'll see. You know, obviously they've got Trout, Rendon, and Otani atop the lineup. But after that, it really, it really softens in the back half of that lineup. So, I think you'll see maybe a little more stiffer test uh, against the Mariners, who have a little bit of a deeper lineup, a little bit of a more well-rounded lineup. But certainly uh, the start um, was everything they could have asked for. Absolutely. And then Alex Bregman, um, he's now won two American League Player of the Week awards in his career. Uh, he wins the opener of this season, hit 429, 6 of 14 with two homers, six runs batted in, and a 1.286 OPS. Um, what is a good, what, what's the normal OPS, by the way? What's a, what's a good average for that? So, league average player would be around. 700, 750-ish. Um, when you start wow. getting into the eight and the 900s, you're talking about elite. And then, you know, any, anything above that is obviously really, really good. So, you know, Bregman, um, I think what, I think the one thing that they've been looking for him is, you know, he's got to be healthy. And he had not been – he hadn't been healthy the last two years. And mm-hmm. just, A, getting him to stay on the field is 
huge. And, you know, it's four games. You don't want to overreact to it. But certainly he looked about as good as he can look. And, you know, you mentioned all those stats. And uh, you left out that he didn't even play on Saturday. They, they yeah. sat him to uh, – they sat him, you know, as a precaution after a shortened spring training. They didn't want to run these guys into the ground. So um, that was only playing three games he did all of that. So Amazing. I think this lineup could really benefit from him kind of rediscovering his power. He didn't really have a ton of power in 2020 and 2021. A lot of that was due to some injuries, but there were some mechanical flaws in his swing as well. So he's as, as in tune with his swing as any player I've ever covered. So he, he understands. He understood what the flaws were, and he tried to correct them. And certainly uh, through the first three games he played, you can't uh, argue with the results. You mentioned Bregman played three of the four. They're they're kind of this is kind of like a spring training, but the games really count because this you know because of the lockout, you didn't have as many spring training games. So um, they're they're kind of bringing people along slowly, which could add some important depth and, and give a manager an opportunity to see what guys can really do in a pressure cooker situation. How has that fared? Yeah, a lot of fans aren't happy because they want to see these guys play every game. And, yeah. uh, but I think it's prudent. I think it's um, certainly the judicious way to go about things, certainly after a shortened spring training. It does call into question a little bit, though. You know, the Astros were one of the last teams in spring training to play their regulars. Like, they, the first four or five games of spring training, hardly any of the Astros starters played, position player-wise. And then they, they started putting them in the games and, uh, later in spring and then toward the end. And now we're hearing that, you know, they didn't get enough at-bats and, you know, that they didn't have enough games played, so they're sitting them out now. And the question kind of becomes, well, why didn't you plan to start spring training? So, I, I don't know. I, either way, I really don't think it matters that much. I mean, you saw um, on Sunday they ran a lineup out there without Altuve, without Brantley, without Gurriel, and they, they won 4-1. to one. You know, they pitched it well enough. Right. They got enough hits. Um, you know, I think maybe when you look at this week or this past series against the Angels, I think the offensive numbers are maybe inflated a little bit. You got to remember they had that eight-run inning um, on Friday, which just destroyed the, the some of the lesser arms in the Angels bullpen. Um, you take that eight-run inning out, they only scored twelve runs this week, right? In four That's right. So um, certainly something to you know, it's not going to be perfect right off, and pitching's always ahead of hitting this early in the season especially uh, after a short spring training. Chandler Rome, kind enough to join us tonight's pitching matchup. Luis Garcia versus Madison Bumgarner. That's worth the price of admission, I would think. Yeah, you know, Bumgarner, thankfully, is kind of looking like himself again. He, he, yeah. 2020 and 2021 was really not great. His velocity was down, just really did not look like the mad bum of old, but his velocity he threw well, and I believe he started opening day for them. Threw well for them, and you know it should be to me a tough challenge because you know he knows how to pitch. This is a veteran guy who's been through the ringer, who's been in the postseason, and knows exactly how to pitch. And then it'll be interesting to see Luis Garcia, who not wasn't the odd man out per se, just kind of the schedule fell that he's the fifth guy in the rotation, and so there's been kind of a long layoff for him between yeah. his last spring training start and this start. So. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he handled that, how the velocity looks. Everybody remembers, you know, when they clinched the pennant against the Red Sox, he started and showed really increased velocity. He was 95, 96 after being 92, 93 all year. So was that adrenaline in the playoff game, or is that something that he thinks he can carry over, um, kind of be more consistent with? 
What do you think of Pena in his debut with the uh, with the Strohs, um, having to fill those shoes or trying to of what Correa brought each and every night? I thought it was as advertised with him. Um, you know, you talk to people in the organization, you talk to people that know Pena, and the one thing they say is like he is not going to be overwhelmed. Like this is not yeah. going to be too big for him, and he and it, you could just tell the way he played these four games that this was not too big for him. Um, you know, he didn't seem nervous. You know, only he knows what was going on inside of him. But if he was nervous, he certainly didn't project it. He certainly didn't play like it. Um, you know, look, he, he made every play hit to him, aside from one on Thursday when he sailed an errant throw um, from shortstop. And, you know, the book on Pena has always been he's going to be very good defensively. He's going to be an above-average defender. Not as good as Correa, but just an above-average defender. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is going to be, can he hit? And, you know, he had six hits this weekend, um, had the big game on Friday where he hit his first home run and first double. He had a three-hit game on Sunday as well. So, um, you know, early returns on the offense are, are decent. But, again, it's only four games. You don't want to overreact right. to that. Um, I yeah. think the thing with Pena that's going to that's going to benefit him is a couple of things. You know, one, the lineup around him is so good that they don't need right. him to be this, like, superstar they don't need him to be otherworldly they just need him to be himself they need him to catch the ball when it's hit to him and they need him to put together professional at bats and i think the other thing is you know i mentioned how this isn't going to overwhelm him this isn't you know he's not nervous you know Mm -hmm. look he's going to struggle um that's not an indictment on him that's just the way the game is played like players struggle all the time even the best players go through slumps you know i think the thing that you're going to see with him is he's not going to let the slumps you know, dictate how he plays defense, dictate his demeanor and all that. I think the game's not going to speed up on him. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed at all. Um, you know, is he going to get six hits every series? I don't think so. I think the offense will be around average to a little bit below average. Um, I think the key for him is going to be when it, when the struggles do come, kind of compartmentalizing it and figuring out how to adjust once pitchers have seen him, once the league has seen him for a few weeks. The league is going to adjust to him. He's going to have to figure out how to adjust back. Well said. Uh, Chandler, Rome, um, in Phoenix, uh, where it's uh, right now 1227 is the weather. Just as, uh, you know, we got overcast. We're getting ready to get fl- rained upon like crazy. What's the what's the weather like in Phoenix? It's actually beautiful. It's not as hot. Um, I think it's about 80-something degrees. It was 100 uh, degrees, man. It was 100 degrees in Anaheim on opening day which wow. was um, very hot for that time of year in Anaheim. But they're going to go from here to Seattle, where I believe it's in the 40s. So yeah. they're getting every sort of weather you can experience on this West Coast swing. I don't know. I mean, do other teams have to play so many games away from home before they before they get opening day at home? I've never – I mean, that's a lot of well, games away. Well, you have to remember that the lockout, um, they chopped the first six games of the season off the schedule. Those six True. games were scheduled to be at Minute Maid Park. So they were True. scheduled to open. They, and originally, they were scheduled to open the season at home, three with the Phillies and then four with the Yankees. Um, but the way the ske- the way the lockout went, they had to chop those first games off the schedule and add them to the end of the schedule. So, you know, it's kind of a consequence of the lockout. You know, they yeah. were they were scheduled to open at Minute Maid Park, but instead they get a nine game road trip uh, before going home. 
And old Mattress Mac, he's not betting $5 million on the Astros, but he's offering 5,000 free tickets to the Astros home opener. You go ahead, Mattress Mac. I mean, that man, he, he's something. Um, Chandler, um, the, the, um, you, you've broken out of the starting gate for this marathon. And, I can't believe they're playing 162. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I survive the marathon. Um, it's a long, <laughs> it's a long marathon. Don't want to, uh, don't want to expend too much energy right now. You're, you're a veteran. You know how to, you know how to time manage and load manage. You're, that's awesome. Well, good luck. Uh, thank you so much. Safe travels around the world. Um, and great catching up with you, man. Really do appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jordy. Yeah, you're the best. That's uh, Chandler Rome covering the Houston Astros for the Houston Chronicle. We'll have the Astros versus the Diamondbacks tonight. First pitch around 8, uh, gosh, what is it, 840? And we'll have it here on the 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, when we return, we'll talk some NBA hoops. And by the way, the NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You can you can clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple Multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. I mean, that's a steal of a deal. That's promo code 1037GAME at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum, $5 minimum, dollar minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-778. Eight six seven Pell's Spurs preview next on the Jordy Helfrich Show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station brought to you today by Cajun Chef. You got to admit it's it's deliciously different and decidedly better. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. The NBA play-in tournament begins tonight with two games and then uh, also on Wednesday. And, of course, Wednesday at 8.30 will be the Pelicans hosting the San Antonio Spurs in the Smoothie King Center. Let's talk some NBA hoops with our guy, Justin Napoli. Justin, man, I can't believe it. We're actually... We're actually still playing basketball. And the way the season started, big guy, I thought no, not even a snowball's chance. And you know what, that that was going to happen. 
<laughs> yeah, excited. Uh, exciting time here in New Orleans. We're uh, ready to get going. Um, <sighs> Spurs won three out of four, but you can't, you know, two of those games were played before the trade deadline, and then the Pels got C.J. McCullum, and then those two games in March, uh, one was a blowout win by, by the Pels. Um, the Spurs won both times they played in New Orleans. Players were injured. So, I mean, what kind of feel do you have for this? Yeah, um, I'm excited for tomorrow. I, I think that uh, last game told me a lot. And, um, you know, no, not having Brandon Ingram in that game was huge, in my opinion, yeah. because it's noticed Popovich kind of pivoted uh, maybe late there in the second, early in the third, and went zone um, against the Pelicans and kind of threw him for a loop. And everybody's loading up on CJ McCollum. Um, yeah. And Willie Green got Trey Murphy in there late. Uh, you saw that run they made. And then obviously the Jose Alvarado missed three to lose the game. I mean, I didn't lose the game, but, it, you know, they lost off that shot. Um, but from a coaching standpoint, I think that Pop, I think Pop showed his hand. Which, um, no doubt. I think So what, I, what I'm thinking is, you know, the Pelicans now can prepare for man and they can prepare for zone. And they mm-hmm. know Trey Murphy, who's been shooting the ball really well as of late. He can be a guy that stretches out the zone. And then also you have Brandon Inger, who's a guy that can create – he can break down the zone. Um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, I, I fully believe that they're going to load up on McCullum. They're going to load up on Ingram, and they're going to uh, beg the others, Jackson Hayes, um, Herb Jones, to try and shoot it, which tells me, man, you got to get a big game out of Valanchunas. He's, he's going to have to do some damage and, and get some buckets like he's done all year long, but even maybe to a bigger extent. And now I uh, think just get somebody, somebody else to shoot the, the ball well for from outside, now you can't double up on McCullum and Ingram as much, right? Yeah, this little, I talked about this in the podcast last night. I think that Trey Murphy's going to play a big role uh, in this game, and I think that having guys like JV and CJ McCollum on your team, guys that have been through the grind, they've been through right. playoff games, and what it takes to win is going to help someone like Brandon Ingram. You know, Brandon Ingram now making, you know, in my opinion, this is a postseason to me. I, you know, you can, some people say this is a play-in, this isn't the playoffs. Like, this is a winner go home. There's, you know, this is the playoffs for me. Um, Brandon has, you know, this is his postseason debut. He now has that safety net of C.J. McCollum and J.V. So the load's not all on him. So I'm expecting him to have a big game tomorrow. And I really think that you're going to see Trey Murphy tomorrow. I, I really think that. Okay. Pop will go zone, um, and, I, and then I think they'll probably take Jax out. They'll stretch it out. And you, as you said, um, against the zone, the way you get them out of the zone is to shoot them out the zone. So I think Trey Murphy will yeah. play a big role tomorrow, and so will Devontae Graham. I've been involved in the NBA for a long time, and I've been through playoff series, and it seems like whenever a playoff series begins or a game of this magnitude, uh, boy, that bench gets short. Do you think Willie Green will do that as well? So, in other words, has a Jose Alvarado done? I think he has. Has he done enough to warrant significant minutes in a winner-take-all scenario? Yeah, look, that's a great question, and it's it's something that, in my opinion, is going to be a field tomorrow. I think mm-hmm. that Devontae will get the first shot off the bench, um, and if it's not going the well the way they planned it, I think Jose will come in and be a spark plug because you know that guy's going to always be ready. But, Jory, this is the, the beauty of a winner go home a Game 7. You know, you see it all the time in, in baseball as well when, when a manager comes in, if their pitcher doesn't have it, like, he's going to get pulled. they got to make an adjustment. 
So in a game seven situation, you know, Willie Green is going to have to be ready to, to make adjustments on the fly uh, if something's not going his way. Say Jackson Hayes isn't, you know, playing well. He's up to make an adjustment. Same with Devontae Graham, et cetera. That's what worries me a little bit um, facing Greg Popovich is because right. he's a mastermind. His team's always prepared. He understands he's been here millions of times. And Willie Green yeah. has it. So you have – listen, Willie's done an incredible job, but the advantage of the coaching – is going to go to the Spurs just because Popovich has done this so for 30 years. So um, yeah. talent-wise, the Pelicans are way better. Uh, the coaching is going to go to Popovich, and, and Willie's going to have to be able to make adjustments tomorrow and, and not be scared to pull the plug on some people. That is an absolutely great point, and I think you also made a great point that uh, C.J. McCollum's on this team eight straight uh, NBA playoff appearances. This is now his ninth. Um, that veteran uh, leadership. And look, in these kind of games, no matter what the defense does, your best players have to play their best. And if you do that, then you win. So McCollum, Ingram, Valanciunas have to do what they do. Um, Herb Jones has to defend. Who's he going to be on? Uh, Murray, the guard? Yeah, I think you got to put Herb on Murray um, and go from there. Uh you know, I, I think Herb's one of the better, in my opinion, in a lot yes. of other people's opinion. Maybe not national writers, but he's a top 10, 15 defender in this league. And he'll, he'll get no married. Question. He'll be fine. He'll contain him. Um, but you got to be able to rebound. I thought the Spurs kind of killed the uh, killed the Pelicans in the paint last last game. And, and having JV, and, and you're going to have to gang rebound. And what I mean by gang rebound, CJ's going to have to go get boards. Brandon's going to have to go get boards. JV will have to go get boards. Jackson's going to have to rebound. And once you clear the glass, the Pelicans are going to get out in transition and really run and, and get in their stuff. Um, the biggest thing in these do-or-die games, you don't want to get away from the stuff that you've been successful with all year. So that's just the biggest thing with the Pelicans. Clean the glass, take good shots, and, um, you know, I think, I think the Pelicans are just fine. And please don't allow a 55-point third quarter defensively. My God, how do you do that? Memphis, Memphis was shooting the ball in an ocean uh, on Saturday. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Justin Napoli with us. Um, Spurs have had the, the Pels number this year. Um, the Pels, one of their best, the Hornets' best, best team was um, beaten in a game uh, that uh, could have gotten them to the Western Conference Finals. The Spurs came into um, the then called New Orleans Arena and uh, and beat that team of Chris Paul and David West and Peja Stoyakovich and Tyson Chandler. Uh, this has been a this has been a thorn in their side for many many a year. Um, Pop Pop's good man. He's just good. It's, yeah, I was actually. I'm glad you brought that. Well, I'm not glad you brought the game up, but the last time I thought about it. Uh, the last time I faced the Spurs, I'll never forget. Gennaro Pargo had a three in the corner. I was sitting right there yeah. in section, I think it's 110 or whatever, behind the goal. And yeah. we had that great comeback. And Chris Paul kicks out Gennaro. And, and Gennaro, who's like a 40% three-point shooter, misses it. And they lose. And that was that. Yeah. And that was probably, besides this year's team, was probably one of my favorite Hornets slash Pelican teams of all time. And that yes. was crushing. Um, but that team, why was it crushing? Because that team is so talented. And I think that, they were given, um, I believe it was the Lakers, a uh, run for their money as well in the Western Conference Finals. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So how much confidence do you have um, in a rookie in his first playoff game, both Alvarado and Trey Murphy, both rookies. They've never been through this scenario before. Herb Jones is a rookie, but he's, he's played all season long and has earned the right to be here. But how comfortable are you with Willie Green coming off the bench with two rookies like that? Yeah. I mean, listen, you, you gotta be nervous. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, those two guys have been playing so well. Uh, I'm not more, I'm not worried about Jose. Jose, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. effective on both ends of the floor. And I'm not worried about Trey. Trey's playing one of the most confident, ba- he's playing really confident basketball right Good. now. He's shooting the hell out of the basketball. He's driving. He's being a menace on the, on the glass on both sides. He's going to be just fine. I, I'm not worried about any of them. I'm more worried about, um, how we adjust. I'm interested to see what they do with Jackson because they're probably going to, Popovich is going to be like, let Jackson shoot and we're going to clog the paint and we're yeah. going to play you know, upside defense on CJ and Brandon. And Jackson's going to have to hit shots and or be a slot cutter and be effective uh, on the glass. If not, you're going to probably see an early adjustment from Willie Green. If the Pels are fortunate enough to win tonight, they would play the loser, correct, of the Clippers-Minnesota Timberwolves game on Friday. Who do you like between the Clips and the T-Wolves? Yeah, yeah. the Clippers are not a team I want to see right now at all. They are playing really good basketball, especially Paul George coming back. They're getting Norman Powell back. Uh, Minnesota, listen, both teams are really good. Uh, Minnesota, you got Cat, you got D'Lo, you got... Uh, Edwards, so they're a good team as well. You got Pat Bev, who's going to you know cause a problem. Those, those right. both teams are going to be a tough matchup for the Pelicans. I'd rather see the Timberwolves. Um, but you know, Jordy, I, I'm just I'm so focused on tomorrow that I don't even <laughs> care to be honest with you. I, I'm right. so excited for playoff basketball. That's I have that right. coach Sally that you know let's win tomorrow and then worry about. Thursday and Friday after tomorrow. Absolutely. So, you're, you're, you know. Look, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. What is the feel? What's the, you walk around the city, you're, you're, you're in touch. You people are, you know, listening and they're tweeting and all the stuff that people do with social media is the city finally, I, I mean, grasping this, are they going to show up in full force? Oh yeah. Place is going to be rocking tomorrow. We're, we're actually hosting a big pregame live show. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, I'm sorry, tomorrow at 5.30, I got some special guests coming in at the Rusty Nail, so we're going to pack that place out cool. walk to the game. It's going to be a blast. We're, we're, the city's buzzing about it. Everybody's, for the first time in a while, everybody's putting the Saints in the backseat, and it's a Pelican's yep. town right now. It's kind of crazy to see. I know the Saints are out of you know season and stuff, but the city has really gotten behind this team, gotten behind Willie Green, and, and, and they're showing out. And I think tomorrow... It's going to be a special night either way. I, win or lose, you know, I was talking with Chris Connor, one of my good buddies. Right. Um, you know, if we lose tomorrow, will I be mad? No, I'll be disappointed. Um, right. But tomorrow is going, to be a, is going to be special for this city, for this franchise, for Willie Green, for these rookies. Um, it's going to be a special night tomorrow. Well, Zion Williams said this team needs to get better and do things differently. They have done things differently. <laughs> they have gotten better even without him. And that says an awful lot. So, um, man, I can't wait. I I will be glued to it and uh, cannot wait to see it. And uh, I I greatly appreciate your time. Have fun at the Rusty Nail. I know that'll be a blast. And uh, go bring the Pels home a victory, will you, please, so we can play again Friday? We'll do, Jordan. I'm always always thankful for you having me on your show. So 
Excited. I hope we get to do this again uh, this season. Our pleasure, man. Absolutely. Let's count on it, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. So um, there you have it. Pels, uh, the city has gotten Pelican fever. And uh, I like that. I really do. Uh, The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd, April 24th. You can see all the excitement, bull riding, wild horse racing, convict poker. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA, A-N-G-O-L-A, to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Um, When we return, uh, one of the best in the business is finally getting honored tonight. We'll explain right here on the Jordy Helfer Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 53 minutes after the hour, Eon Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. Eon is effective, Eon is efficient, and Eon is super comfortable. Eon, in an essence, is smarter body contouring they don't pull they don't pinks they don't strap you down they don't uh do anything they don't freeze you it is comfortable and it is effective eon of lafayette e and schedule a free consultation. They're open at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Early bird special at Eon of Lafayette right there in River Ranch. A special congratulations go out to Coach Jim Hightower, um, who will be inducted into the LHSAA Hall of Fame in Baton Rouge tonight. Coach Hightower is the second winningest active coach behind John Curtis in the state of Louisiana with over 400 wins and four state championships. Uh, he started at Catholic of Point Capi, but he spent most of his career right there in Lafayette at St. Thomas More as the head football coach. And during that time, his teams have appeared in 32 straight playoff appearances in addition to 22 district championships and three state titles in 2016, 2019, and 2020. Six years ago in 2016, Coach Hightower was inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Jim Hightower. Well-deserved and long, long, long overdue. Um, and a shout-out to my buddy Tasman Mitchell, who was a four-time All-State performer at Denham Springs High School. He was the uh, Gatorade Player of the Year back in 2005. Had an excellent, excellent career. Uh, at uh, LSU, and he's going to be inducted into the uh, LHSAA Hall of Fame 
as well. So congratulations to them and to all the others that will be inducted tonight. It's quite uh, quite an accomplishment, uh, quite an accomplishment. So if you missed anything in hour number one, if you missed our conversation, talk about the Houston Astros with Chandler Rome or the New Orleans Pelicans with Justin Napoli. Uh, later on, you can always go to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Go on demand and you can play all of that stuff back. Yes, play it back um the hangout music festival is returning this summer to gulf shores and the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music you can score vip passes by becoming a member of the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com don't miss the return of hangout music fest may 20th through the 22nd in gulf shores when vip passes from the game southwest louisiana sports station our number two straight ahead bob Rose with the black and gold report on the New Orleans Saints. And then head baseball coach Jay Johnson will join us as well. A very busy second hour. James Mesh in control says we got to get out of here. Top of the hour sports update and much, much more. Hour number two, straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show. Stay with us. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Our number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, April the 12th, the year 2022. Um, NBA playing games or playing tournament begins tonight. Um, and the NFL draft right around the corner. With that in mind, it's Tuesday. Um, James, I, I do believe it's time, big guy. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, Robert. How are you, my friend? Jordy, I'm doing well. I hope you and your family are doing well also, and a happy Tuesday to you. Thank you, sir. It's always a fun day when we get you on here to talk about the Saints. I hate to say it, Saints have been really quiet, so for the first time in forever, the Pelicans have taken over center stage in the spotlight as they take on the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow to survive and advance, but uh, Saints have been very, very quiet. They gave themselves some flexibility, and boy, they've certainly created some intrigue with that trade with the Eagles, man. I mean, it's it's got everybody kind of wondering what are they going to do? Who are they going to get? Yeah, man, they sure have. Uh, I mean, you know, this is if the Saints stay put uh, at you know number sixteen and number nineteen of the first round, uh, it's only the seventh time in franchise history uh, that New Orleans would be able to make two first round draft choices. Huh. Uh, you know, that, yeah, that's pretty significant. 
Uh, but you're right. This trade with the Eagles you know, has uh, has the rumor mill flying absolutely out of control. Uh, you know, are, are the Saints going to stay put? Uh, if so, who are they going to draft? They're going to go wide receiver, tackle, wide receiver, quarterback, tackle, quarterback, defense, which is what Dennis Allen's uh, crew has been focused on most of this offseason. Uh, are they going to package these picks to trade up? Uh, if they do so, are they going to you know, are they going to target a quarterback if they move up? Uh, I think most people were in agreement that if the Saints do that, that's what they're going to do. Uh, you know, if they move up in the first round as target of quarterback. Uh, and of course, that is news in and of itself, not only because of the position, but the fact that New Orleans has only selected a quarterback one time in the first round in their entire franchise history. Uh, and that, that was some guy named Manning back in 1971. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, wow. Wow. Um, what, what would that say if they did that about a Jameis Winston? Would trade two to get into the top 10. Um, what, what would that tell you about their thoughts about Jameis Winston? Hey, Jordy, I'll tell you, if they, if they package the, the picks to move up and draft the quarterback, I think that it shows that they have absolutely zero confidence in Jameis Winston, uh, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. I still think in that scenario, Jameis would probably be the quarterback to open the 2022 season, but he'd be an, on an awfully short leash. Uh, and yeah, again, and I've, I've gone on record many times as saying, you know, I, I like a couple of these quarterbacks in this class, yeah. uh, but you know, if the Saints do this uh, you know, and package both first round picks, that essentially means that they're giving up two first round, at least two first rounders, a second rounder and a third rounder to move up. And in my opinion, there is no quarterback worth that kind of ransom uh, you know, for a playoff caliber team. Uh, and then, you know, this franchise truly believes that they still are uh, for a deep playoff caliber team. I think that there are just too many other roster concerns uh, you know, to take advantage of, uh, you know, with three picks in the top 50 and four in the top 100 uh, you know, to, to be able to do it. Now, if they stay put and keep those two first round picks and one of them is a quarterback, I don't necessarily think that shows us that they don't have any confidence in Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. I just believe at that point, uh, you know, they're saying we're going, you know, we don't have a hundred percent confidence in Jameis, but we're still going to give him a shot. This gives us some flexibility. If he doesn't play well for 2022, we have our backup plan already in the building. Uh, but like I said, if they move package these picks to move up, uh, yeah, that that tells me that they have you know, zero faith in Jameis behind center. I, one day I feel like the Saints are uh, moved into this because they think they can find two instant plug-and-play players to keep this championship mentality going. And then the next day I think, well, you know – they got Andy Dalton. You got Ian Book. Um, you know, I, they need a they need a backup. They need a, a secession plan at quarterback. What happens if you know if if Jameis doesn't pan out? I mean, the, the most important. So I don't know which way to go. That's that's the intrigue of this thing. I just can't get a feel for it. Yeah, and it is difficult to get a feel for. I'm sort of riding in between where you are on the uh, on your spectrum. I think that the Saints made this deal with the Eagles because they do have a quarterback or two in mind that they're looking at. 
But at the same token, I don't think that they would have brought in Jameis, you know, brought Jameis back at all. Uh, you know, if they had you know, zero confidence in him or right. their plan all along was to move up and get a quarterback. I think if, that, you know, if that's what their plan was, I think that they just would have rolled with uh, you know, either Taysom Hill, left him at quarterback, uh, you know, plugged in Andy Dalton for a stopgap right. solution, or threw in you know, the, the, the perspective, the potential rookie quarterback right away. Uh, I, therefore, I do think that they have a quarterback or two in mind, uh, but they're going to stand pat. Uh, you know, fill one of those roster spots, be a tackle, wide receiver. I hope to God is wide receiver. I do uh, too. Tackle, wide receiver. Uh, and you know, if one of those quarterbacks that they like fall to them with the other first round pick, they'll pull that trigger. Uh, and if not, there's plenty of other directions they could go. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Uh, what's the latest on Quan Alexander? I haven't heard peep. I know, neither have I. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe that the team and Quan are still in close contact. Uh, you know, and you know, Quan has not visited with any other organizations, at least officially, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, than anybody is know uh, than anybody knows of. Uh, and you know, it was social media ruling the day. I do think it's significant that Quan Alexander continues to post all these workout videos of him either in you know Saints clothing uh, mm-hmm. or inconspicuously in Saints colors. Uh, I do think Quan Alexander still has a spot on this team. You know, Demario Davis is obviously the straw that stirs this defensive right. drink, and they love Pete Werner, uh, but they have next to no depth behind them. Uh, you know, I think bringing back a guy like Quan, uh, it, it reduces the need to perhaps take a linebacker in the draft uh, or, you know, ignore the position altogether, thereby making it extremely thin as they head towards training camp in the regular season. Uh, you know, Quan is on a, you know, and there's a list of players out there. Quan is a list uh, among a list of players that I don't believe are going to be signed until right after the draft. Uh, you know, they're going to kind of sit tight, uh, you know, see what moves, you know, the Saints or other organizations make. Uh, and they're at that point, they, the player, would be sort of in a position of negotiating strength. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, um, Caesars Sportsbook uh, released their future odds for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Um, they're long shots, but four Saints are included in it. Um, defensive end Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport coming at plus 8,000. Tamario Davis plus 12,500. And Marshawn Lattimore the same at 12,500. So they're there, but as long as you have Aaron Donald around, uh, that's that's a tough thing to T- tough thing to beat, but but still through it all, um, are the Saints done defensively? What's the latest with with the Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew? Is that another one of those wait till after the draft type of things and see if they can strike a deal? Or do you think there's a bunch of other teams that might be lurking around trying to get him? Yeah, I think Tyron Matthew is probably you know, among the, that, the group of players that may wait until after the draft. Uh, you know, it, if he doesn't, he's going to sign with the team with a team, uh, you know, at the 11th hour, uh, you know, within the days leading up to the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, Tyron Matthew, as you pointed out, you know, has already met with the New Orleans Saints officially. Uh, he was actually in New Orleans for a couple of days uh, and at t- the team facility for one full day, uh, at least that we're aware of. But there's going to be other teams that certainly have interest in in, uh, in the Honey Badger. Uh it all depends on what his contract demands are, I believe, uh, as far as whether he'd be a New Orleans Saint or not. 
Uh, but there's certainly going to be a market for him outside of New Orleans. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. We will um, continue the conversation after this timeout. We'll go around the league and and let, let's let's do. Does Bob Rose do a mock draft? Do we do that? I do. I've already published one as far as a, a full six round mock draft for Ooh. the Saints. Okay. Uh, I have not done anything for you know, the the first round of the NFL yet. Okay. Uh, but our, our own John Hendricks did that. Well, uh, we, I can't pretend I have the picks memorized, but I can give you a lowdown on what John I want. I want your six Saints picks. I want that when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show with the Black and Gold Report and Bob Rose after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll be right back. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 12, 1964. Arnold Palmer wins the Masters by six shots over Dave Marr and Jack Nicklaus. The victory makes Palmer the first four-time winner of the Masters, and it's his seventh and final major win. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back as we continue the Black and Gold Report, talking Saints and NFL football with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose, who has been kind enough to join us every Tuesday now for quite some time, uh, and we absolutely love it. Um, before we get to your picks for the Saints in this upcoming draft in Las Vegas, tell me what you know about tight end J.P. Holtz, formerly of the Chicago Bears. What uh, intrigued the Saints to to pick him uh, at that position, uh, JP Holtz is a uh, is a depth piece and uh, you know, uh, tight end. In my opinion, was the weakest uh, you know, positional group for the New Orleans Saints in 2021. Uh, you know, Holtz has played a couple of years uh, as a reserve. Uh, you know, like you said, mostly for the Chicago Bears. He's a blocking guy. He's not going to add much as a receiver. Uh, yeah, but you know, the the Saints just add this kind of kid, uh, or this is the kind of signing. Uh, that you know, just adds competition to the special teams uh, and specifically the tight end unit. Uh, and he's going to be given an opportunity to battle for a backup spot. Uh, I don't think he's on anybody's uh, list of favorite candidates uh, you know, to, to make, uh, to, to grab a hold of the roster spot at tight end if the uh, training camp were to start today. But he's certainly going to be in position to, uh, to compete for one. I also read um, where the Saints, one of several teams that have contacted the Houston Texans about Brandon Cooks. Um, does that kind of show the, the Saints' hand? They, they'd like to get Brandon, a veteran wide receiver, and then maybe with those two picks, go elsewhere along those lines? What do you think is the rhyme or reason for that? Uh, it was a legitimate inquiry, uh, you know, from what we understand. Uh, yeah, but I think within 24 or 36 hours after the Saints and many other teams had inquired about Cooks, the Texans ended up re-signing Brandon to a two-year contract okay. uh, worth an average of about $20 million a year. Uh, and I think that number in and of itself shows why the Saints really didn't dive into the free agent market at wide receiver uh-huh. is that money has just been thrown around to ridiculous proportions. Uh, now, you know, free agency-wise, a guy like Jarvis Landry is still out there. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, among others. Uh, 
those are the kind of guys that the Saints, I think, would undoubtedly target if they do not get a wide receiver in the first or second round of this upcoming draft. But I think that's where their priority is. Of those, who would be the best fit, you think, for the Saints, of those veteran free agents out there? I got to believe Emmanuel Sanders uh, because he knows the system. Uh, part of the reason also why the Saints probably inquired about Brandon Cooks, uh, because he spent a few years uh, under Pete Carmichael in yeah. that Saints system. Uh, yeah, I just think a free agent with some experience in this type of system, and specifically with Carmichael, uh, would be able to, uh, to be a little bit more effective immediately if they were to join the New Orleans Saints. Poor Brandon Cooks is out for the money grab because you know the Texans are going to be terrible. They're going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. Um, and I, I think that's this generation of player, uh, you know, $20 million a year, average of $20 million a year. Uh, that's that's a hard that's a hard uh, number to pass up uh, if you're any human being. Uh, yeah, but I, I would have liked to see Brandon Cooks return. Uh, I liked him as a receiver. I didn't like the way that things ended uh, you know, with him in New Orleans. He showed a lot of immaturity. Uh but the fact that New Orleans even asked about him tells me that at least they believe that he grew up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's not a bad guy by any sense. Uh, he's not a locker room cancer or anything like that. Uh, he just couldn't take being second fiddle to Michael Thomas when the team dealt him in 2016. Yeah. Um, a real small wide receiver, more of a Tyree kill, but without the speed of a Tyree kill. Uh, I'm kind of glad the Saints moved on from that. Um, and we'll see what they do um, because Michael Thomas is a certain type of wider. They need a, they need a burner, man. They need somebody that can go down the field. I love that. Uh, I, I didn't see Chris Olave enough. I saw Jamison Williams enough. That dude, man, man. So anyway, first pick um, 16th overall in Bob Rose's mock draft. The Saints will select whom? I went with Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Okay. Uh, and I think that there's as many as three guys that could be sitting there. Alave, his teammate Garrett Wilson, who's a heck of a receiver, uh, or Jamison Williams. I went Alave. But all three of those have capability to take the top off a of defense, like what, you said. Yeah, I what set Olave him apart? What sets that? him apart? What sets Alave apart to you? I think Alave is an extremely smooth route runner. Uh, yeah, for that, I will give him the nod over Jamison uh, Williams uh, and a slight nod over Garrett Wilson, but he still has the speed to stretch the field. Alave shows me all the traits of a potential future number one feature wide receiver. He, he wouldn't be that in New Orleans, certainly not initially, uh, but that's the kind of weapon that could be uh, you know, valuable on all against all three levels of a defense. Okay. Um and look, Michael Thomas is going to get the best corner cover, yep. right? So he's not going to be going against one A. He's you know he's going to go against one B, whoever that wide receiver is. All right, Chris Olave, wide receiver, and keeping up that that Ohio State link to the Saints. It's it's crazy. All right, um, they make the trade with the Eagles to get two picks in the first round, uh, number nineteen overall. And the New Orleans Saints, well, are they going to select an offensive lineman or do you think they're going to go quarterback? I went quarterback, specifically Ooh. Matt Corral from Mississippi. Uh, you know, the Saints do have a lot of interest in Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and Malik Willis. Uh, so I think any of those guys would be in play. 
Uh, and I think offensive line off tackle specifically is certainly in play too. Uh, but I, I'm in the camp that I don't believe that the offensive line is in nearly the dire straits that many believe. Uh, as we said uh, in the earlier segment, I think the Saints had a quarterback in mind when they made this trade to pick up the extra first-round pick. I think the board kind of plays out uh, you know, where they get their wide receiver, uh, but they still have an opportunity to pick up a quarterback, potentially a uh, quarterback for the future. It's not fair to try to compare. I haven't seen Malik Willis, uh, though he did play for Liberty against uh, the Raging Cajuns. Um, didn't see much of Pickett. Did see Matt Corral, and Matt Corral is kinda, kinda, sorta Pat Mahomes-ish. Runs around a lot, has a strong arm, not afraid to make big plays, not afraid of the moment. Um, I, kind of, I like Matt Corral. Always have. Me of course, too. I like Johnny Manziel, too. It, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but I'd rather compare him to the Tim Mahomes than Manziel. Right. Uh, and like you, like you said, I love the plays that Corral can make on the move. Uh, he, he is an extremely polished passer uh, you know, with good mobility. Uh, and you know, he's got a lot to learn before being NFL ready. But and stepping into this situation in New Orleans in my mock draft, uh, he has the opportunity to sit behind Jameis Winston for a year or two. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he has underrated arm strength, but can make plays from the pocket or outside the pocket. Uh, and he's just a real gamer. And you know, he played I in agree. a pass-heavy style of offense at uh, Mississippi. Right. Uh, you know, the, the spotlight isn't going to scare him off. Used to heavy AC or SEC competition. Yeah, I like Matt Corral too. Ah, it's a good pick. All right. So you've got a wide receiver, Olavi, and a quarterback in Corral in the first round. Let's get to the second round, the 49th pick overall. So you've met one need. You've got something for the future. Um, do we go defense or do we go offensive line with the third pick? I think this offensive tackle, everybody talks about how deep the wide receiver position is, and I agree. Uh, but the offensive tackle spot is deeper than what people realize. And I think there's a first, a, a couple first round potential picks that could slip into the second round. And I had with the 49th overall pick in the second round, I had the Saints picking up offensive tackle Bernard Raymond from uh, Central Michigan. I only have him slipping that far because he's only played tackle for about a year, year and a half. He's okay. a converted tight end, so he has that athleticism Ooh. that the Saints value in their offensive line. And I think just due to his inexperience, he could be a guy that slips into the second round. All right. A converted tight end. Uh, got good footwork if you're, that, if you're that. So I like that one. Okay. Um Third round, 98th overall. Now we're grasping a little bit, but the Saints have always had a history of finding the proverbial cliche of the diamond in the rough in later rounds. So third round, do you go best player available or do you do a specific position of need? I think uh, the third round, if you've checked off your team needs with your first couple of picks, the third round, you definitely go best player available. Okay. Uh, your running back is an underrated need for this team. I still think safety is in play as well. Uh, but I had the Saints going. Uh, you know, the 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 fact that they have not re-signed Quan Alexander worries me at linebacker. Okay. Uh, you know, so I had you know, my mock draft with the third round pick. I had them picking up Channing Tindell. Uh, the a linebacker, one of many, many, many talented defenders off the University of Georgia's uh, okay. uh, title team. 
Currently. Uh, as I remember, he's a really good run defender. Um, he, he'll get up in that in, in the gaps and, and, and hit you pr- pretty good. So, all right. Um, we'll see what happens with Quan Alexander. Um, that remains unseen and unsigned. We shall see. All right. You got the 120th overall pick. Uh, this one coming in the fourth round. So you've got a linebacker, a quarterback, a wide receiver. You mentioned running back as a position of need. Is there going to be a decent running back available at this time? Yeah, I think there will be. Uh, and you know, the, the third, fourth round is where I think the Saints are going to target a running back. Okay. Uh, you know, they've had success uh, in finding backs in that range before. Uh, and in this mock draft in the fourth round, I went Damian Pierce, uh, the running back. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good player. Uh, grotesquely underused for the Gators. Uh, but you know, he, he's a good pass receiver out of the backfield. Going to have to improve his pass blocking. Uh, yeah, but he's a guy that's going to pick up yards between the tackles and has the athleticism to make the plays outside. Precisely the kind of guy that's going to take some of that pressure uh, off of Mark Ingram if Alvin Kamara gets suspended. Uh, and when Kamara is in the lineup, uh, yeah, Pierce is the kind of guy that could take on the carries out of the backfield so Pete Carmichael can move Kamara around the offensive formation. Kind of reminds me of a Camara, vastly underused uh, as Camara was at Alabama, transferred to Tennessee, and Butch Jones never hardly played him. Um, just, just crazy, crazy. All right, so you get a running back. So a wide receiver, a quarterback, an offensive tackle, left tackle, uh, a running back. Uh, now you're in the fifth round, the 161st overall. Um Depth is the, is the answer, so where do we go here? Depth and special teams uh, are where the Saints usually like to focus with these picks. Uh, and in the fifth round of this mock draft, I went Velas Jones, uh, an extremely athletic wide receiver from Tennessee, uh, a, a, a big-time uh, big, big time kick returner, punt returner, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the kind of guy that if he's not going to make an impact as a receiver right away, uh, and he is extremely explosive in the open field, he could end up being your punt returner to allow Deontay Hardy to focus a little bit more on the offensive side. Uh, you know, Vilas wasn't really, you know, didn't run an extensive route tree at Tennessee, but he was coached by the Saints' new wide receiver coach. So there is uh, there is some familiarity there, uh, you know, and you know, it, it potentially a dark horse to grab a hold of a, a roster spot would be Vilas Jones at wide receiver. Very good. All right. So another wide receiver. Now your last pick of this draft, um, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, sixth round, one hundred and ninety fourth overall. Who you got? I went with Derek Deese Jr. Uh, a tight end from San Jose State. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar to older Saints fans, he is indeed the son of a former uh, a former San Francisco 49ers Pro Bowl lineman, Derek Deese. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah the, the, the junior Deese is an extremely athletic tight end. He's a little bit undersized, but I'll tell you what, he has massive upper body strength uh, and is a good technique blocker. So he's the kind of guy that could... It, 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 He's not a bulked up wide receiver. Uh, he is a legitimate inline tight end, uh, you know, with the taller frame to even add more bulk. Uh, and you know, the the Saints have had a lot of good luck, as you said, uh, you know, late round picks, especially mm-hmm. on the offensive side, wide receiver, offensive line, tight end. 
Uh, and, you know, Deese is the kind of guy that I think could add immediate, uh, immediate competition and athleticism to that tight end position. Interesting to say the least. Um, on an unrelated note, such a sad, sad story about, um, former Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who was uh, 24 years young, died Saturday morning after being struck by a dump truck while walking on a South Florida highway. He'd been training in the area with other Pittsburgh Steeler players. My gosh, that's just, uh, whoo, we got to live every minute of every day and enjoy it. You never know. Yeah, it sure is. And like you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haskins was just 24 years old. Uh, yeah, still a young kid with his entire, not only NFL life, but just life in general ahead of him. Uh, you know, and it's always a tragedy when something like that happens. He had just finished a training session with several Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, they were down in the Florida area with him. Uh, you know, it certainly comes as a shock. Uh, and, you know, it, our, our prayers go out to, you know, to Dwayne Haskins' family. Uh, you know, and close friends, you know, it, it, just an unimaginable tragedy. Yeesh. Um, I'm just looking at some other mock drafts just to, uh, just to show you how varied and as sundry things are. Uh, Will Brinson of CBS sports has saints picking Trevor Penning, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman from Northern Iowa with pick number 16. And then with pick number 19, they've got the saints picking Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty. So it's just so intriguing. Everybody's got an opinion and that's what makes it so darn fun, but at least you stick your neck out and, and try one. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, uh, these, these mock drafts are they're, they're frustrating to put together, but they're kind of fun to read. Uh, and I know when I do them, you know, because it's partly my job, I try to put myself in a legitimate position of what I think the Saints right. would do rather than what I would do if Bob Rose was the general manager. Right. And, right. But at the same time, as I explained in some of these picks, you can't help but let personal feelings get involved. I mean, you know, I, I, I watch these prospects. I break down films for the article uh, and for show mm-hmm. appearances like I, you know, when I come on with you. Uh, you know, so you can't help but fall in love with some of these prospects some of the time. Uh, and you know, it, it, this is the most anxious I have been for a Saints draft maybe ever. Is it true the Saints um, invited Matt Corral in to sit and have further talks and do further testing? How does that work? Yes, they are going to meet with Matt Corral this week. Uh, okay. They've already met with a couple of wide receivers, uh, including Jamison Williams, uh, and they're going to meet with several more prospects between now and the draft, uh, including a couple more quarterbacks. I know for a fact that they met with Kenny Pickett twice already uh, you know, at the uh, at the Senior Bowl and then again at the Scouting Combine. Uh, they met with Malik Willis as well. Uh, you know, I, think, I think it was Willis that said uh, that the Saints – uh, were his most difficult meeting uh, in, in terms of football breakdown and things like that. They were the most specific. Uh, yeah, so I like the fact that they're meeting with Corral. And this team is doing their due diligence uh, and expect a couple meetings or rumors to be floated out there to perhaps uh, you know create a smokescreen uh, for, for, te- for teams that yeah. could be potentially moving uh, either around them or try to jump ahead of them. It's so different, you know, because if this was if the Saints were a college program, they would be bringing Matt Corral in to show them all the facilities and let because the player picks the school. Uh, Now, these these players are trying to put their best foot forward because they're trying to convince the team that I'm the right guy for you. And please draft me in the first round. It's just completely different. It's crazy. 
Yeah, it is. And yeah, it, but a lot of those same recruiting uh, concepts are in, are still involved. Uh, and yeah, I, we also know that teams, you know, the Saints are certainly no exception. The teams meet with prospects, not necessarily for the idea of drafting them per se, although they'd be there, they certainly would. Uh, but they keep these kind of meetings in mind. If this kid hits the free agent market again uh, in you know, four or five years, uh, or even if he's a late round pick uh, or a potential trade pick after a couple of years, yeah, the, the Saints would have already met with them and kind of have that groundwork already. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think the college recruiting process, is, you, know, you hit the nail on the head. It's exactly the same concept. Bob Rose, St. Sue's at work. Thank you as always, man. Um, and uh, we appreciate the time. And uh, you have a wonderful rest of your week, buddy. Thank you. Happy Easter to you and your family. That's right. It is almost Easter. Happy yep. Easter to you and your family as well. I know the Rose household will be packed. Uh, yeah, packed with family and friends. Uh, yeah, my, my, my wife, Lauren, is insisting on doing all the cooking. Uh, you know, so I, I, it's going to be a fun day. Uh, but right. happy Easter to you, my friend. Take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Um, we'll talk to the head baseball coach of LSU, Jay Johnson, here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back at 40 minutes after the hour. Make that 41 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, April 12th. If you look outside, wherever you are, um, you would see why ain't going to be playing any baseball game tonight. So LSU and Lamar has been postponed. They'll try and get a makeup date uh, down the road. That's fair that, you know, you got to get with both coaches and check out their schedules and see where it all fits. The Tigers had a great week uh, last week, beat Grambling 16 to three, and then swept Mississippi state and Starkville at duty noble field. Since there's no game tonight, we got the coach. Head coach Jay Johnson, kind enough to join us. Coach, thank you. I know you just had a workout, and you did it just in time because it's it's getting nasty outside. But thank you for your time, man. How are you? I'm good. We did get practice in, and if you look out my window right now, it makes me feel like I made a good decision on this game. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. probably would not be playing baseball tonight. No. So. Timing, <laughs> timing is everything, and you made the right call on that. Um, You were hired June 24th, so you've been here about 10 months now. 10 months. Is this gig everything you thought it would be? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I really, really like our team. I, I like the the ballpark, the environment, uh, how much everybody gets behind the Tigers. I think it's kind of a, a once, one place in the country that's like this. I mean, there's certainly some other good ones in our league. We just went to one in Mississippi State. Yeah. But I think in terms of wanting to, to push for excellence and uh, develop a special program, um, there's no place like LSU. And uh, honored to be a part of it, proud to be a part of it, and, you know, want to – continue to sink our teeth into this thing and, and make this team and, and our programs for the long haul as good as it can be. 
You know, we hear Brian Kelly talk about how he's trying to teach his team how to prepare and how to practice. Take me back to the beginning. How much of a focal point was that for you in getting this team to do things the way that you like the game of baseball to be to be played, to be managed, to be to be run? Yeah, it's it's honestly it's, it's still a work in progress, and uh, we'll continue to to be that way. It's a daily effort. Mm-hmm. I will say about the players, their work ethic, their buy-in, their competitiveness is where everybody should want it to be. Um, there's some baseball things that we want to continue to work on and improve. But if you look around the country, it's really no different than anybody else. Um, you know, there's one real elite team in our league right now, and everybody right. else is kind of the same. And, you know, yeah. we're on the upper tier of that right now. And it's kind of fun to be 12 games into it and moving in that direction. You know, when yes. I came here – um, you know, we haven't been to Omaha. LSU hasn't been to Omaha since 2017. Uh, yeah. was a ninth place team last year, and we've kind of talked about, you know, getting back to the upper tier of the league. Cause if you're the upper tier of this league, you're the upper tier of college baseball, and we can certainly do that. I'm excited for the challenge of doing that, and, and this team's helping us in that right now. So it's been a lot of fun. And you can change the the narrative this weekend. You're seven and five. You travel to Arkansas. They're one game ahead of you. Uh, three game series starting on Thursday. So so we'll see what happens. Um, two distinct things. One, um, it's got to be frustrating because you got good players and they're trying their best, but sometimes the ball takes funny hops and sometimes there's some errors involved. How do you feel about your defense now? Because this past weekend was pretty darn good. Yeah, it's improving. Um, you know, it, it's something that has cost us a couple games. I think, you know, going to Mississippi State and sweeping, we're probably right where we should be now from a record standpoint, all things okay. considered. I felt like we were a couple games behind based on how they transpired, and that had a lot to do with defense. Um, you know, so we kind of feel like we got the personnel in order where they should be. And then um, as a head coach, I just I made it my point where – I'm spending all my time with the infielders now. And, okay. uh, you know, between Coach Fitzgerald and I, I mean, these guys don't get a second to breathe in practice. <laughs> and I do think we've trended well over the last three weeks. Uh, last weekend was our best weekend because no, there was not one infield ground ball made by – or and one error made by an infielder right. on a ground ball. We had an outfielder make an error. We had a catcher make an error. And then we uh, misplayed a pop-up with uh, – an infielder going back, but I think there's been marked improvement. Awesome. We just uh, worked work, work their tail off the last couple of days, and uh, they will have no room to breathe for the rest of uh, my time as the coach at LSU because we'll make sure we continue to get better. Uh, do you mind if I uh, use that line down the road? No room to breathe. I kind of like that. Jay Johnson, kind enough to join us. Um, the other stat that stands out to me, y'all have a bunch of Roger Dorns from Major League on this team. I mean, how do you hit <laughs> Hit by pitch, what the heck is going on? Yeah, I mean, and a couple of them have been very big for us in some of our close wins. I think we're four and two or five and two in one run games. And um, just the other night, we were down to our last strike, and Hayden Travinsky walked, uh, took two borderline pitches for balls, got down there. Josh Stevenson pinch hit, didn't move his feet, got hit in the back foot with a, uh, a back foot slider, and then. We got a, a wild pitch, and then Trey Morgan hit a line drive to give us the lead, and then Dylan Cruz hit a home run. We were down to our last strike yep. from losing, yep. and then we turned around, and like 90 seconds later, we had a three-run lead. It was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, it's just, just a toughness thing. You know, I liken the free bases in baseball 
to turnovers in football. You know, if you okay. win those free bases between walks, hit by pitches, stolen base, and errors, you're probably going to win. And so the hit by pitch thing, I mean, we were leading the country at one point. I don't know if we still are, but uh, it's part of our hitting approach and uh, part of our offensive approach, and guys are doing a really good job with it. Man, those guys aren't afraid. They're, like you said, he didn't pick up his back foot. He's just digging in, staying. If you hit me, you hit me. And uh, you've been around baseball a lot. You've been around a lot of sports a lot. Um, a game like that where you're la- down to your last out, your last strike, and you're losing, and then all of a sudden, whoo, this thing starts going in your direction. What a uh, what an emotional lift that's got to be for your club. And they're a confidence booster. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. And like I said, we've uh, we've had some good games. We've had some games where we haven't played as well, particularly on the defensive side of it. But the competitive nature of our players has been very positive. I do feel like they've shown up to play and to win every single game. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you turn one over like that, that's going to be a loss and turn it to a win because we've had a couple go the other way. Uh, we had a game against Louisiana Tech here a couple weeks ago that – Man, in 20 years or whatever, Division One baseball was one of the toughest like circumstance losses of my career. So it was nice oh. to turn one the other way. Gave us some yep. real confidence, some real positive feelings, and I, I know the guys capitalized that on both Saturday and Sunday and came out with a great weekend. And the other thing that was obviously noticeable, um, you know, hitting is great. Timely hitting's even better, and you got timely hitting against Mississippi State, and I'm sure that's something you'd, uh, you know, anybody would love to have that continue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, baseball is pretty simple. You got to have great pitching, you got to play defense, and you got to get timely hits because offense is the hardest part of the game. I tried to kind of buck the system, having some great offensive teams at Arizona. We have another great offensive team here this year at LSU, and and you can win with your offense sometimes, but. To win a championship, you have to you have to hit with runners on base, and sometimes it seems like we leave a lot of guys on base, but that's because our on base percentage is so high. And when you have more right. guys on, you're going to leave more guys on. But this weekend we came through when we needed to. Trey obviously on Friday, Jacob Berry in the first inning of the three run homer, and then uh, you know Sunday was an avalanche of, of quality at bats with runners in scoring position, which which we love to see. This may not be a fair question, but I'm going to answer it. If it isn't, just say it's not fair. Just I'm, I'm going to pass on it. But you knew what you had in Jacob Berry, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan. They, they're everything that's been advertised. Has it been one player that maybe surprised you to the more positive that you didn't expect? You know, I, I, it's a good question. I mean, I think those, everybody knows and talks about those guys. I think Kate Doty uh, legitimately has a chance to be a first-round pick this year okay. um, and has played great for us. Um, certainly love his makeup and character. I, uh, he's a talented player. I mean, I wish I could keep him another year, um, and, and that's a high compliment anytime I yeah. say that to about a player. I, I think he's well-known that he's a good player. I just don't know the why he doesn't quite get the credit maybe that he deserves. Right. Right. Um, this past weekend, Josh Pearson, a freshman, really picked us up in a big, big way. And, uh, you know, we'll be a mainstay, I think, in this lineup here for a long time. And I could see it coming. We had a lot of talented players and older players. It just had to be the right time. And, you know, we had to get him enough at bats where he could learn how to slow the game down. He's certainly done that. He's going to really lengthen our lineup. So really pleased to see the direction our lineup set with him being a big part of it here moving forward. Who's been the biggest surprise for you on uh, on your pitching staff? I think it's just the group as a whole. You know, okay. as we were going through fall baseball, 
and, the, and leading into the season, I really felt like the pitchers were dominating the offense. And you, you definitely want it that way because if it's the other way around, it's really hard to have a good team and a good season. And um, I just think the collective effort of the group is awesome. Um, okay. Kale Hilliard has, has really picked us up um, these last few weeks. We won three of his four, or actually we won all four of his SEC starts. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he's been great for us um, on, on the starting side of it. You know, early on, Blake Money was really good, and we were getting some extended innings out of him. Uh, he kept us in the game the other day through four yeah. innings. But really the story is the bullpen. We just have a lot of guys we can go to that, that do something well that can present problems for for hitters, and so it allows us to be able to match up and, and put ourselves in a favorable matchup, and then those guys are going out competing, and they're leaving a lot of guys on base. I, I would guess we have, we probably lead the SEC in most runners runners inherited runners stranded yeah reiselman gervais just to just to name a two two of them cooper's been really good um it look i've always said um you know you say no room to breathe i always say it's not how you start it's how you finish um and you're building that momentum so i i greatly appreciate the time i really do um you like the you like the food in this part of the world you're doing okay you you hope you haven't gained too much weight I, no, you know what? In the fall, I gained like 15 pounds uh, because I liked it so much. And then I started to remind myself, come spring, I got to wear a uniform. So over the Christmas break, I actually I got those 15 pounds back. So I'm, I'm back square and have learned to control myself a little bit. But you can see why people uh, people put on some weight down here because the food's amazing. I did NBA games on television. I'm traveling and we're doing late games and tra- and flying and eating. And I, I did the, I did the quick 20 and I couldn't fit in any of my suits. So I had to do exactly like you did as much as we love it. We, we can't do it, but uh, thank you for your time. Uh, all the best of luck, safe travels um, and happy Easter to you and your family and uh, go get them hogs, man. Let's go, let's come back in first place in the West. How about that? Yes, sir. Sounds great to me. You guys have a great weekend. All right, Jay Johnson, kind enough to join us. And, yes, the thunder, the rain, it's coming. And we're going to come back and wrap this baby up. The Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we got to get out of here in just a minute. Today's edition brought to you by Cajun Chef. Add a little heat to your dish with Cajun Chef hot sauce. It is the best. Uh, if today is your birthday, April the 12th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with David Letterman, who is 75, and Ed O'Neill, the famous Al Bundy, is 76. Thanks to Chandler Rome of the Astros, Justin Napoli, the Pels, Bob Rose of the Saints, Jake Johnson, LSU Baseball. Uh, we've got Astros baseball tomorrow so we will be off we'll see you on thursday thank you james thanks all of you for listening in thanks to our partners that make it possible until next time i'm jordy helper stay thirsty my friends do everything you can to stay healthy my friends be kind and be happy my friends and be safe out there in this weather so long everybody 